This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now. After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash be here now for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nick Turn and Duncan Trussell. Welcome to the CSM Podcast with David Nickturn. Creativity, spirituality, and making a buck. Blending spiritual and temporal realities, joining heaven and earth. We will be talking with a variety of manifestors, individuals who have, in one way or another, clarified their vision, created an offering, and brought that offering to the marketplace. Let's see what we can learn from them as we each move forward towards solving our own life puzzle. Facing the challenge of living in the spirit, in the body, in the world, in this time. If you're interested in supporting the CSM podcast, please visit eherenownetwork.com forward slash David. So Julian, why don't you come up and then I want to talk about him a little bit and then with him a little bit, okay? Julian Lodge. First, I want to say how we met because it's kind of an interesting story yeah, and you feel... Okay, to just jump in on oh, any yeah. of this stuff. Okay, anything, anything. Yeah. You want to say how we met? You, you tell. Okay, and you, you know, we'll do the he said, she said. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. So, um, my oldest friend on planet Earth is Christopher Guest, um, and we were born two weeks apart. And my mom introduced his parents to each other. I don't know if I told wow, you that. I yeah. So, so we've been friends a long time, and we played music a long time, and worked on stuff together. And then le- about a year ago, I think yeah. it was right about a year ago. They came to uh, New York to do a 35th anniversary of Spinal Tap at the Beacon Theater. <clears throat> and it was an unbelievably fun event, you know, because yeah. the movie looked like it was made yesterday. Yeah. Right? It was very fresh. Yeah. So Chris and I had been swapping. Chris met Julian first. And we've been, we swap YouTube thingies. You know, we, we, and we're sort of on the prowl for young, bright um, Honestly, we both are looking for the salvation of the human race through the next generation <laughs> because we think that it's in trouble. So we go, these are human beings. They're actually creative. They're actually wise. They're actually talented. This is, there's hope, you know. So Julian was one of those. And I, hadn't, I didn't know of you before that, yeah. you know, which is um, almost amazing when you think about it. Um, but we met backstage um, and with his it's okay to say? Yeah, of course. Beyonce, Margaret, okay, yeah. just sitting right there, who's also a wonderful singer-songwriter herself, Margaret Glasby. And we just started talking, yeah. and I just, I saw, it's like he had the shine. You know, there's a certain thing that he called the shine. It's from The Shining, so it's from a sort of horror movie, but the, the, <laughs> the, shine, the, the shine itself was good. It was like, you know, kind of lustrous and luminous uh, quality and, and intuitive. So we just drifted right away towards yeah, talking so. about meditation. And Margaret, too, you know, who they're like second, third generation from me in terms of the meditation tradition. But they were both raised. Your parents were kind of like they're into it. They're into it. Yeah. I mean, my parents are not into it. (laughs) And in fact, nobody even knew about it. 
So, um, so then we started talking about meditation from time to time, right? Yeah. And, and um, just let it happen organically. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. I asked you for a lesson. He said, we'll meet, we'll meet for coffee. We'll start there. And, uh, and yeah, that was the beginning. Ever since we have a regular dialogue about things that I'm uh, exploring or working on with a sitting practice. So that's, that's what's been going on. And how's that going? It's, a, it's changed a lot in my life. It's, cha- it's been a, uh, all for the better. Every morning since you told me to do it, <laughs> I do it no matter what. Um, we can go into it, but it's been great. Yeah. It's been great. Well, Julian practices. Uh, my students, I meet with them once a month usually, and then you can just kind of feel that person's been practicing or not. You know, there's a, quite a few students here tonight. Um, and what's cool about tonight is there's, there's some meditation students here but who are also great friends and fabulous musicians. This, is, this place is stocked tonight with really CSM. We call them CSM people. They're creative spiritual, and they're actually making a living with music. So uh, I'd love to, um, what, one of the jokes we've gone is we want to get the house band for the CSM. And we actually have one that would be pretty dynamite. Yeah. 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 So, and we call it Band on the Sit. How's that? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> so now I just want to say a couple things about Julian to set the stage, and then we're going to talk. Uh, there's a notion, Julian, in the Tibetan tradition. Are you familiar with what a tulku is? Do you know that idea? I I don't. Okay, so you'll learn something new tonight. So this Buddhism uh, went to Tibet in about the 8th century AD. Before that, it was cooking in India for about a thousand years and had quite quite developed a a powerful um, tradition. In fact, it transformed India. Really? Yeah. And there was a a big university called Nalanda University um, that was, you know, all bona fide masters, teachers, and so forth. And then there was also a yogic tradition that um, people were out in the woods, you know, doing severe yoga practices and meditating and getting all kinds of experiences and realizations. So the scholarly tradition, the academic tradition, and and the yogic tradition sort of came together in India. And then there were some, you know, really very powerfully accomplished masters. And in the 8th century, a famous one went, uh, was invited to go to Tibet, and he went there. So the, in those days, the traditions passed down from a teacher to a student, right? But then this little strange thing happened, which was um, one teacher was recognized as a reincarnation of a previous teacher. Have you heard of that? No. So when you see that movie about the Dalai Lama, if any of you have seen that, Kundan, they show the Dalai Lama as a baby, and the monks are coming to him with his previous lifetimes, malas and beads and jewels and things like that, and he recognizes them. So my teacher, Trungpa Rinpoche, was like that. He was recognized at two to be the 11th incarnation of his lineage. So this started a long time ago. And the, the name is Tulku, um, which means uh, it has a lot of meanings. But the meaning is a sort of a reincarnated adept, somebody who is a master who starts early and gets reincarnated. So here's my premise about Julian. I think Julian's a guitar Tulku. <laughs> That's what I want to say about that. It's inexplicable from, from ordinary, you know, I've been around. You just don't find people like this. It's, it's called a prodigy. It's prodigal. And so that's the first thing I wanted to ask you is, do you believe in reincarnation? Sure. You do? Sure. <laughs> do you think you were a guitar player in a previous life? Uh, uh, that, that never came to mind <laughs> to me. Because <laughs> that would explain it to me. Really? <laughs> yeah, that would explain it, you think. Um, if, if you were, who would you, who would you think you would be an incarnation of? Oh, wow. That's such a good... Maybe it's not a guitar player. Right, right. Um, I really don't know. It's funny because I never see my... I've never seen myself... Uh, kind of intergenerationally, you know, I see myself as a kind of a modern day nerd for this kind of thing, you know? <laughs> so I figure anyone who reads enough history, learns enough about anything can be um, an advocate for all that came before. But so it's hard for me to say who that would be. Um, you know, my, I, I, I've, I've had many mentors in life, musically speaking, probably the biggest uh, good, Direct guitar mentor is Jim Hall, 
who was uh -huh. the great. Did, did you meet him? Uh, yeah, oh, I met wow. him when I was very young. I was uh -huh. 11, uh -huh. and we, Jim Hall was kind of, if, you, if, if you're not familiar with Jim, it kind of goes, uh, as far as jazz guitar, Django Reinhardt, um, you get Wes Montgomery at a certain point, and then Jim Hall was kind of, kind of like the modern, cool, weird one. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so I, I always looked to him as someone I wanted to. And you, you studied follow. with him when you were 11 years old? Well, I, I tried. He wouldn't teach me. Uh, he would, I, I tried. Uh, I tried. But he, he would call me. He, I met him at a show. A friend of ours introduced us, one with my parents, my guitar teacher and his wife. And he was so, such a kind, kind man. And we, we, we kind of hit it off, met at the show, and then he would, he would call me about twice a year. Every year till I was maybe 20, and then I moved 21, moved to New York, or started coming to New York, and uh, he he would just call to make sure I was okay. It was very sweet. I, in retrospect, it was it was I'd answer the phone and say no, no unknown number because his number was blocked. I'd be you know 13. I'd say hello, and he'd say, uh, "What's the first chord of all the things you are?" I'd say, "Who is?" F minor. He said, yeah, that's right. It's Jim Hall. You know, I said, wow, I passed, you know. So he taught me in this way that he, Jim had a way of um, kind of making it feel like we all work for the same company. That was his, that's how it always felt. It wasn't Master Apprentice. It wasn't, it was just like, we're all dealing with the same stuff, right? And that, that had a huge influence on me. Uh, we eventually, I, I moved to New York and we, we played together until he died. You know, we were, I was part of one of his last projects. How, how old are you in your you were playing duets with Jim Hall? We, we were playing duets, I was probably 22. And then, we, and then I was 24, 25, we had a quartet. Right. With Scott Cawley and Joey Barron. Wow. Um, it was amazing. It was amazing. What a, you know, I think when, you don't have anything to compare it to, would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. It seemed kind of, yeah. I wouldn't say it ever seemed normal, but it seemed... Um, Harmonious, you know, it's yeah. not like this. Well, this doesn't feel bad. This feels, yeah. He seems good. I'm not taking advantage of him. He's not yeah. taking advantage of me. It's always a good start, <laughs> you know, in any re teaching relationship. Absolutely. You know, well said. Um, so I had a few notes, please, um, from, from your bio on Wiki. Oh, wow. Which is funny. It's usually pretty right. <laughs> you were the subject of a 1996 short documentary film. Yeah. Jewels at eight. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it, but I just saw this. And now I'm gonna see it. Can it's you see it? Is I don't know. I, I, I bet I, it's on YouTube. Part of it is. Oh, part I have a link. So I have somewhere. I'll, I'll send it to you. I'll send so you were eight you. years old, and they're making a documentary about you. Yeah, but context is everything. <laughs> Keep this okay. in mind. This was a. It was. It was a, a grad student from Stanford University's film program. Yeah. And he was looking for a subject. You know, uh, he wanted a, a young person and. Right. The San Francisco Bay Area, which is where I grew up. I grew up in Santa Rosa, California. And so uh, he called. Somehow he got my number. He asked around. And, and, you know, I'm really close with my parents. I'm the youngest of five kids. So it's a close family. And, and uh, they, we got a call. And he said, I'm looking for the subject. And, and ostensibly they said, thanks, but no thanks, and kind of hung up. We, they, they had well, no your parents said that? Yeah. I was, I'd only been playing for a couple of years. You know, what does he want with a kid, really? It's, it's, it's kind of oh. weird if you think about it. Um, <laughs> you know, someone says, I heard about your son. Can I film him? You know, it's weird. So, so we said... You wouldn't do it now, that's now for sure. Yeah. Now everything... I feel bad for cats coming up today. You can't not be filmed. But this was rare, you know? So, so we said no. We said, but there's some other young musicians who are like teenagers. You might consider friends of mine or just people we were aware of. He came back a week later, said, I, I looked at, no, that's not the point. The point is about finding a young person who's a musician or has a propensity for something at a serious level, but also is a, basically a kid going to school and not yet absorbed into the, the infrastructure, you know, with basically without a career, <laughs> you know, which was, you weren't making a buck yet. No, 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 exactly. Far from it. And, uh, 25 cents if you did your homework, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, chore stuff. But I, so, so somehow, I don't know how the he broke through, but I think he made it seem, made us, helped us see that it was more about him than it was about me or my family, you know? And if you see the film, it really says everything about him and um, nothing about me on a certain level. What's sweet about it, it's only, what, 20 minutes, 18 minutes, is, you know, it's me going to class, me being awkward, me being 
in guitar lessons. It's, you know, not much has changed. And so when I see it now, I go, I'm really glad this worked out because I wouldn't have another, you know, I can see it objectively. Uh, it went on to have its own life, you know, and, 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 but it, it was his final in school, you know. Okay. That's it. So, all right. And, and then you did study, you have a quite a, well, at 12, you performed at the Grammys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do? Um, we played, we, we, well, they, they were trying to, on the televised broadcast, they were trying to, to make a big deal that they were doing a lot for young people. So it's kind of funny because they have a Grammy band. You know, they have kids that they teach all year, but none of them were, were good enough for the show, <laughs> which I always thought they, that should have been their first, you know, they should have looked into that. They should have been poaching from the... <laughs> So they, they, brought in, they, they brought in these other people who had nothing to do with the Grammys to kind of be the face of the Grammys for one night. And uh, uh, they had seen the documentary. That was what it was. So they said, we've got this. this we assembled, you know, these, your colleagues from around the world, whatever. And we, we went up and we just played um, a blues. We played a monk tune. And they put it on the show. And it was, it was kind of beautiful because that was its own whatever, uh, you know, car wash of stimulus. But Gary Burton was there that night great vibraphone master and, and and he wrote me a letter after he saw me play i played for you know what, what's a letter for some of the young people <laughs> it's like that but but uh analog and uh he, he said i saw you play i played for 20 seconds i wasn't on there long I played a solo he said I, I there's something in you i liked would you can would you play with me at uh ted you know ted conference sure. back then it wasn't as big as it is now it was all it was held in monterey and it was you know very small it wasn't filmed and he said, I need a, it was really funny. He kind of said, a, the, the, the theme is uh, older generation, younger generation. And I'm looking for a younger generation. Will you be that for me? I said, sure. And we did the show. And anyway, that started a, a, a long, illustrious relationship with me and Gary. Uh, so the Grammy, that to me kind of what came and went. But what came from it was really quite cool. Wonderful. And then you also... You were classically trained at uh, San Francisco Conservatory sure, sure, of Music, sure. and then you went to Ali Akbar College of Music. I didn't know. Did you, were you studying Indian music? I was studying tabla and sitar. Far out. Very You, yeah, you get into that anymore? No, I took one. No, I mean, I, I love the music. Yeah. Someone at the time said it takes like 120 years to master. Yeah. And so they, I, it was some. It and just, one night to blow it completely, right? <laughs> kind of. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't going to ever be that cat. So yeah. That's okay. Um, and. Um, it's funny. It says, "Yeah, <laughs> I'm afraid." What does it say? He, he has Jewish ancestry on his mother's side. It says that on Wikipedia. They're not wrong. I'm Jewish. Israel Brownstein, my grandfather, great grandfather. I'm sorry. That just really cracked me up. That's great. Um, <laughs> I use it to get gigs, David. Yeah. It spices things up. I, I thought you were going to say to get girls, but that's okay. Um, uh, so, uh, one one more thing. You've, yeah. you've, you have a series of albums out, but I want to, um, because this is creativity, spirituality, and making a buck, I want to give your album a pitch. Oh, hey. You have a brand new album. Thanks. Called? Love Hurts. So, the question I have for you is, yeah. does it? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I wouldn't tell most people this. Uh, I, the, 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 the simple fact is, it's it, you know, it's a... Uh, is it Felicia or Felice? Felicia and Boodaloo Bryant were these country songwriters. They wrote a lot of these wonderful uh, hits. So they wrote the song Love Hurts that the Everly Brothers played, and then I learned it from a Roy Orbison version and whatever. Um, but I, growing up in California, we, we uh, lost our house in that fire right around the time. You know, a couple years ago, there were these wildfires. seeming to be an annual thing. Your family house was Oh, yeah, yeah. Just down. Like, it, it, we were one of the first to go our house. My parents got out. Uh, thank the Lord, but just barely. And um, they were in the house when the fire hit. Oh yeah, they just noticed that the lights, the electricity was off, and they looked, smelled something, and there were these kind of like seventy foot walls of fire around our neighborhood. It was, it was like doomsday. Seventy. Yes, and, and it's, it, it was very historic and very uh, traumatic and terrible. But they're fine, so it's you know, knock on. So uh, when we made the record, <laughs> yeah, thank you. The, the concept of love to me was was more was less romantic and more just whatever that experience is, you know, um, of loss or or. So love does hurt. It yeah, it can it can. Yeah. Um, 
and that, and that's why there's matches on the front that are burned, you know. Well, there's a lyric to that song. You did, you played it on guitar, right? Yeah. So I don't I don't know I I don't remember the lyrics. Yeah, that's all interesting. So I want to give Love Hurts. Thanks. We don't have any copies tonight, and I told. Jordan, I don't have I think any. CDs or yeah, you know, the equivalent. Kind of not really. They're hard to play. I don't even have a CD player in, anywhere in my life. Yeah. <laughs> but you can go download it. Sure. Yeah, right? listen to it. And you should listen to it. Thank you, dude. It's absolutely really cool. And one of the things you'll see about Julian is that he can play anything. It's I, I, I've rarely seen this kind of capacity, but he doesn't play everything all the time. And that record, it's, it, it has some sparse elements to yeah, it, which is, we call it taste in the era that I grew up in. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, very, very tasty. Thank you. I want to just move into talking a little bit about some of these principles that we're going to be looking at Please. this weekend. Um, the book has a series of principles that are related to yeah. the different aspects of um, creating a vision for yourself. The cover, yeah. it has a mountain and there's a little Tibetan monastery on the mountain. We're in a Tibetan center right now. And it has three people coming down from the monastery back out into the real world, or the regular world. And one's a guitar player, one's a monk, and one's a, a businesswoman. So when they first designed the cover, they had them going up to the monastery. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. They're coming down. They're re-entering the action. Yeah. And that's the time we're in, as far as I'm concerned. This is the world needs... Absolutely. Uh, all the help that we can give it at this point. Mm -hmm. So whatever talents we have, whatever resources we have, and there's a lot of people, I think, you know, sort of aligning themselves with this kind of view. <clears throat> but it does come down to each one of us as an individual. Yeah. That's, we're never going to be able to stamp that out of the yeah. process, you know. So I decided that my contribution was going to be helping people mm. to polish themselves you know, whatever it would take to, to um, progress their individual equation. Mm -hmm. Start with that, because if people are doing that and it's a healthy thing, we're going to have a healthier society. That's, what I, that's my personal view. Mm -hmm. So I borrowed from an Asian paradigm, uh, which I studied intensively, which is uh, there's an idea called hev joining heaven and earth. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So this is something that um, is, is the principle for flower arranging, some... Um, government leadership principles, uh, martial arts has this principle in it. And it's the idea that heaven represents the kind of unobstructed quality of experience where anything's possible. So it has, a, it has the quality of vastness and openness, like the sky, right? And the earth is a tangible realm where there's all these little details like, do I have a battery in that tuner, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And, Oops, that's the wrong battery. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's details that we have to deal with in order to manifest our relationship to heaven. So the role of leadership, of humanity, in fact, in this tradition is called joining heaven and earth, connecting. Heaven is the mind principle. Earth is body. So we're synchronizing the mind and the body uh, at every level, every level, joining heaven and earth. So the first thing is to get a glimpse of heaven. And um, heaven, I mean, we should play that song. We could do a whole musical bit on this. So heaven is, um, represents vision. You know, if you go on a vision quest, sometimes we get caught up in earth too much, right? Do you have a to-do list that's like a mile long? That's earth having taken over and overgrown its usefulness to you. And you have no clarity about why you're doing any of it in the first yeah. place. So it just yeah. becomes a, a to-do list, earth. Heaven is like just, ah, big sky mind, open, possible. Let's, let's, let's do this program with Julian. That yeah. was heaven. That yeah, was, yeah. This is, yeah. I'm in heaven right now, yeah, just too. so you know, me doing too. this. This is my version of heaven, and it came from no thought. Yeah. I didn't really have a lot of thoughts about this. It just kind of went, pew, see it. So joining heaven, clarifying heaven, is that's why we meditate, is to get a clearer picture of heaven. That's really... Of what, our, of what our possibilities are and what the open space is like. Then we got to ground that and bring it down. And that's a lot of practice. That's a lot of details. That's a lot of management, a lot of orchestration. So these two principles, connecting heaven and earth, you have a great idea and you make it happen. Right. That's called manifesting. While you're trying to do that, you're aspiring. Mm -hmm. 
before you're aspiring, you're just kind of um, uh, wandering around, you know? Without aspiration, we don't know where we're going or why we're going there. So the first idea is clearing some space in, in the mental landscape and just, okay, there it is. There's my heaven. So I want to ask you what your heaven is. Oh, wow. Uh, first thought, best thought. I was going to say here, you know, the, the, uh, I'm such a student of music. I'm such a student of anything that I'm interested in. So to be in a space where I'm not... Um, Where it's not like a you know dance monkey kind of situation, <laughs> I think is a, is heaven. Anything where there's there's the the there's a there's a, a a capacity for things to be understood or nuances to be um, felt in a group of people, you know, that, or whether it be in a concert or on a record where something subtle isn't so subtle, and it's a um, it's cause for discussion or thought or or I, I mean that's that's the realm I I am drawn to. As a student and as a you know professional musician, so to speak, that that's it. Um, that's it's very it. pure aspiration, if I could say so. You know, it's uh, not corrupt. I, it's, I it's just uh, now. How's that going? <laughs> how's the dancing monkey part of that going? <laughs> now you're coming down to earth and you say, "I want to play. I want to be a student. I want to uh, yeah, yeah, practice." Yeah. Um, I, it's a great question. I, I've thought a lot about it, David. To be honest, I yeah. think. So funny because, uh, you know, I, as David said, I, I started when I was really young, but I was very protected from the exploitation machine, you know, uh, due to my parents. So thankfully, I, I, I could kind of just, you know, I, I saw the downfalls. I saw where I could have had to be that person and do the thing and, and, and think I understand what someone else wants and, and, and use it as the basis for everything I do. But I, uh, frankly, I was kind of oblivious to a lot of things. I didn't know what anyone wanted from me. I, I didn't, the only thing I remember feeling as a young person was a strong, I don't, don't, don't like this just because I'm a kid. That's all I remember. Trust me, there's, there, it needs to be good by, on it based on its own merits. That's the only thing I really remember. Everything else is a blur. Here I am as an adult, uh, so to speak, <laughs> and I'm more aggressively interested in having a voice in the community, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, realizing that what I believe in, what I stand for as a musician has to do with uh, transcendence, with, with community. You know, the music I play comes from a tradition of improvisers. Mm. And at its highest level, it's, it's, uh, it's not only nuanced and, and, and stimulating, but it's cathartic. It's, it's kind of that, at least that's my experience to it. So when we talk about bringing it down to earth, a lot of the things I'm thinking about in the last year or two years have been, how do I mitigate the things that f misrepresent the product? And, you know, uh, there was a period in my life where I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was embarrassed, but I was shy about being a jazz musician, where I think, no, I'm cooler than that. I'm, a, I'm this guy who can play guitar and do whatever. And, and, then, and then there's a certain turning point where I just thought to be part of a subculture of creative improvising musicians that connects to the African-American tradition and so many others is a deep, deep honor. And I'm, I bow to it. So I, I feel more like an advocate now than ever before. That's all. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I want to just put a word in here because one of the, one of the um, CSM, creativity, spirituality, and making a buck ideas that we're putting yeah. together is pretty much centered around connecting people. So organically, this is kind of interesting how tonight happened. Uh, I mentioned Evan, who's um, designed the sound system and is operating the sound system. So here's how I met Evan. Michael Cameras over there, who's an incredibly talented musician and arranger and sax player and music director of some kind of really cool downtown stuff. You know, I went along just to go, well, he's my meditation student, I should show up. And then I just went like, oh shit. <laughs> you know, this is, this is happening. So that was a really nice um, moment. And then 
I asked Michael because he kind of knows everybody below 14th Street, right? <laughs> he kind of <laughs> know everybody. And I said, could we get a, who would you recommend to do the sound? For? Yeah. And he said, oh, Evan's a good, good hit. Um, and I, I called Evan up. And in the meantime, Evan is part of a collective, a yeah. community in Brooklyn, right, called Apartment Sessions, NYC.com. And again, I just was checking it out. I'm going like, what's this? And I had, I was blown away by what they were doing. And what they were doing was so much in alignment with what you, what you just said. That's why I'm mentioning it right now. Because they have a community of musicians. And the first video I saw was 70 young musicians in a park somewhere, and then on a subway car. And it was perfectly recorded. And they were great arrangements, and they were all playing their asses off. Yeah. And I just went like, what? This is impossible. And then I watched video after video. Uh, so that was a, another link. And so connecting you with them, because it sounds like your sense. mission is so similar. Yeah. Um, but that would be, my heaven would be that people with like-minded cultural right. leanings, you know, could come together and prosper. Yeah. See, for me, I prospered in the music industry. Yeah. And I never did, I never did anything I didn't want to do. Hmm. That's cool. You know, but, uh, and, 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 People should thrive. That's, yeah. that's a, there's a chapter in the book called Surviving or Thriving. You know, and we, we, this weekend you'll see, we look at, are you surviving or are you moving towards the thrive zone? Mm. And the thrive zone can be whatever you want because right. there's another chapter that says success versus contentment. Right. Success is the external rotation, right? What other mm. people think. Contentment is an inner feeling. Yeah. And you, can have, you don't need a lot of money you, or you could have a lot of money. Yeah. But so um, mm. where, where would you put yourself on that? What, what, are you content? Uh, y yes, but I, I'm I'm anxious. I'm I'm I'm, you know, nervous about everything. You know, not even in a grand. Uh, My mother was Jewish. It said well, right there. It's, it's, <laughs> you're not wrong. It's 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 in me. I, I'm I'm. Uh, it's funny. Yeah. I, I so in in so if I if I pause even for a moment. You know, which tonight is an example of that. Like I was recording all day, I was running, but 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 here I am, and it feels so good. Uh, and if I and I, if I take that moment and I reflect, I'm 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 doing great. I'm thriving. I'm I'm happy. I'm content. Uh, but my my day to day narrative is is um, is confused a lot of times. You know, I I don't quite I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, all I can say is I'm worried. And it's, it's, it's not so much imposter syndrome, which I know is a feeling too of this is going to end or I, people are going to find me out. It's just that <laughs> it's, you're looking at, this is all there is. There's nothing, you know, yeah. there's no secret, but it's like, I think I'm worried that I would miss the chance to take advantage of this time in my life, living in the city with our community, you know, the community that we all share, it's like, it's good. It's good. And, but there's kind of a malaise that I think comes with, especially the millennial generation, at least from my perspective, where, um, like, is it community or is it a, like a digital connection? You, what you guys do is so miraculous. And I was a fan of it way before because, you know, you can't phone in what you're doing. Everyone has to show up, learn the music, show their respect, be amazing. It's incredible. They support each other they, at a human level. That's extraordinary. And that comes across. That's why yeah. it sounds so good. Man. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I worry. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I fluctuate. Well, so if you're me or if you know me, and my son Ethan's here tonight. He knows me really well, and he knows this about me. If you don't want anybody to know something, don't tell me. <laughs> not the right person okay but if you do want people to know about it you should tell me yeah and so this is i when i discovered you and when i discovered um evan and apartment sessions all, all my I'm, that's the one good part of the internet i'm just blabbing to everybody you should check this out you know i i i work with krishna das who's a you know sort of chanting meister and i showed him your that video of of, of you um playing a, a duet there's quite a few of them online. He said, that guy's not human. <laughs> you know, and I mean, he meant in a good way. Yeah, that's you cool. know, it was a compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, coming from him, it could be an insult, too. Um, so, um, you know, the vision here for us, if we come back and work together on this this weekend, is to begin to hone our individual journey yeah. 
so that we're maxing out. Mm. And this is, you know, a, 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 a young student wrote me today and he said, I'm confused about Buddhism because it just seems like they just talk about egolessness and emptiness. Mm. And, and I said, that's not accurate. It's, that's nihilism. That's not Buddhism. Mm. So um, the idea of finding your creative center and your life force and your uh, expression and then tapping into the zeitgeist, right. that's why we're alive. Right. Now, if that happens to be that you're like, Ethan's a wonderful Buddhist teacher and writer. He's found his, his zeitgeist, yeah. his zone. But some people aren't clear right. what they're offering. So you had, like, you're a guitar tulku. Hmm? It'd be really interesting. Like, what if, if, I can't even imagine you not playing guitar. Right, right. It'd be you, freaky. Well, you know what? I hurt my hand years ago, maybe six years ago, something like that. My left hand, it, 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 it shut down during a, a show, actually. I was playing a show. And ironically, it was a Django Reinhardt tribute concert who famously played with two fingers. And I'm in the middle of this thing, and it stops. I what? Okay. And then, and, uh, but so there was a period where I, I, for the first time since I was very young, I did have to, I was thinking, well, if I don't do this and I can't do this, what would I do? And, and the beauty of music and anything in the art realm is it's, it's, it doesn't take long to find another uh, tributary to the greater thing we're talking about, you know, um, but, it, but it, 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 you know what's funny, David, too? From the outside, people, I think, have, it's safe to say, the, the, the feedback I get is that people see it that way, that I'm here and I play guitar. But I haven't always been so assured. I haven't. Um, and, I, and it's funny because I've noticed that with other musicians. Jim Hall was kind of like that. He, every, every time he, it wasn't like he had a, a backup plan, but um, uh he he always seemed as surprised as anybody that when he moves his hand something happens you know and that you get to get better at it and, you know and I I kind of feel similarly I don't really uh, I I don't I, I I don't I don't share that same feeling that other people have expressed to me right I have a different framework for it uh, for, for whatever that's worth so here's an external perception yeah please take it or leave it that's yeah yeah that's the other buddhist thing it's take it or take leave it, or leave it. Yeah. that's that's the way it should be taught yeah there's um an expression it's not direct it's more from the hindu tradition maybe some of you have heard it called the bhav b-h-a-v bhav and it's like the flow zone you know yeah. uh, if you're in the bhav there's not a lot of thoughts going on maybe like in the zone for, for athletes in the bhav and you can't get there by force you know you right, can't break right. into the bhav cafe and go like i'm here with my shit and i'm gonna you know, <laughs> do something so you are from my perception a bhav musician huh. I, I i see you enter the flow at the beginning yeah. and then you stop playing and the whole time the whole time you're, right. you're in a flow state that's so that's... yeah i don't see anything in your way wow. yeah. it's a miracle it's fantastic. It's amazing. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit about meditation. I sure. know it's sort of a newer avenue, but yeah. um, what do you make of it so far? I love it. Okay. <clears throat> and I, and it's, it's, um, it's, per, it's definitely the only time in the day where I feel, even after five or ten minutes, uh, that I can see a, uh, a gap between the motor, you know, that's running and some other interpretation of reality. It's, it's the only time where I feel, feel that. And that alone is, is refreshing. You know, it's refreshing. Um, I, I haven't found the discipline of it to be tedious at all I, it's definitely a reward even though i do it first thing you know it's kind of like, it's what, why i wake up it's like i want to get up i want to do it and then the rest i can handle so it's that that part surprises me because I, I i think i always perceived it as more of a um i don't know i didn't I, I, I it's very friendly but also david you're the person who introduced me to it in a in the first formalized way i'd ever ever introduced to it so uh you you have that way of making it seem like it's right here you just pick it up you know um so that's nice and maybe i know i'm ignorant enough to be happy with it you know i don't i'm, <laughs> I'm not i'm not really chasing anything i just go wow it's nice to sit here you know um that's cool you know that's good i, I have other friends who, who have long standing practices too and i'm always very inspired by that um 
but it's but the returning part to it just yeah. to, what you're talking about that, that that's definitely um what i'm charmed by it's yeah. just the you know where am i going to go how am i going to come back where am i going how am i going to come back that resonates with me yeah and then uh, an idea we would use a lot is the rabbit hole Mm-hmm. You, your mind wanders, but then it gets pulled down a rabbit hole, oh, and you're yeah. in deep into some yeah. kind of like obsessive, you know, kind of compulsive area of your mental landscape. Right. And the idea of just like, you know, allowing the rabbit to go down the hole, but you bring your you mind bring back. Some, oh, uh, you man. don't go, you don't follow the rabbit down the hole. And story of my life, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, 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 when I grew up, I, I went to um, regular school for for a while, and then the school at some point, they this is very northern Californian in nature. They said, we don't have a music program, so we'll give you independent study, and you can f- study with these teachers that I was starting to work with. And my parents said, no, he's, he's going to be like the rest of the kids. He's going to go to school. Did that. They kind of insisted. So long story short, is I, there, I spent a lot of time alone as a, as a boy practicing 10 hours a day. This is doing, and the rabbit oh, hole Did you hear my- that, everybody? <laughs> 10 hours a day. That's what these people, that's what Buddha did. Yeah, well. That's it. You, you play guitar 10 hours a day as a boy? Yeah. It goes by, you know, parents go to work, you do it. and That's your answer, everybody. Well, it, it didn't seem like much to me. It was never forced. But I, but I was very much of the, um, I'm like a web, ma- like a web maker in my head. Like I, 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 I think distractions are an important part of education. So if, you're in, if I would work on one thing, I would be distracted by another musical thing and another. But if, if you do it over 10 hours, you get back to the first thing, you know? So I'd have these networks of information and history that I was trying to understand. The, the point is the, the re- that served me well as a kid and less well as an adult. Uh, and, and we all know that, but Margaret and I joke about it where I'll, I'll get into these rabbit holes now all, constantly. And I'll think it's not really... I think, well, it's not harming anyone. It's just my own interest, you know? And she'll say, is it? <laughs> like, is it really just in your world? Like, or is it affecting everything? Is it, you know, is, is it influencing the atmosphere? So it's been really fun to kind of uh, not just think that any obsession that's related to something you're passionate about is healthy. Because um, it's not always. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. But, but that's been another kind of perk of it. I, I'm kind of calling into question some yeah. little kid stuff. Well, it's all good um, journey and exploration. One of the really fun things for me right now is that, you know, uh, 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 Michael took the meditation teacher training program that we did last year. We're doing another one starting in May. Is your mother going to come in May? Okay. (laughs) But he graduated and he got a certificate and then he just started uh, giving meditation classes to uh, and Jesse's been doing this too, to friends and family and other people that they work with. So and it's cool. like just spreading in a very organic way. Yeah. And Alex, who's another great musician who's sitting right next to him, is, that's, how he, that's how you started to practice, right? Michael, Michael. Is, your, is your dealer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, great. And it's, it's very cool. And yeah. um, if you have a question, you can just raise your hand right here in the front row. Here. Could you tell us who you are? Um, my name is Hefe, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a musician, um, but a music lover, and I really enjoyed the stories that you were telling about discovering Julian's work through, through YouTube. Um, and when I've brought friends to see you perform, I often share YouTube videos before going. Uh, and I actually have a question about one of them. Oh, yeah, anything. Um, you performed with Santana as a very young man, mm-hmm. um, and you got on stage and you did this... Um, parliament song yeah isn't that and, funny and i just i i just as a young person i wouldn't have encountered that song in the first place and you talked about yourself studying classical and yeah, jazz yeah. And it seems i it there's just has to be a story behind it and i'm fascinated uh, uh, and i don't want to lead you i want to let no, you no 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 tell the story uh, yeah, I, um i appreciate that and i'll keep it i'll keep it short I, I the song i didn't know i mean parliament i knew as a young you know, I don't know if it's one because it's related to guitar culture. Guitar culture leads to blues culture, to funk culture, and also it's you know the Bay Area for God's sake. That's that's what's cool up there. It's a lot of that. Uh, but the, the the and so my dad waited tables for many years when I was young for like and my mother for for many years as well. 
that's how they met. They were in the, the restaurant industry. My father used to wait on a guy who knew Santana. This is it's so weird to think about this happening today. It probably wouldn't. At one point, they uh, my dad was talking to this guy. I have a son who plays guitar. I said, "Oh, you have a son who plays guitar. I'm friends with Santana." Blah blah blah. And he says, <laughs> "Okay." And 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 he and so he had remember it's pre YouTube, so it wasn't like oh, I'll have to go check your son out. He just oh, it's, it's, Mario has a son named Julian. Cool. And and then he, at one point he came, he was a regular, so he came to the restaurant and said, "You know, Santana's playing, uh, playing, like in a month." Uh, Opposite Jeff Beck, they're doing this double bill tour in uh, Shoreline Amphitheater. You should come, bring bring Julian. And so we literally, it was it's just so old fashioned. My dad said, "What time?" He said, "Oh, they sound check around five. So my mom and my dad and me drive up, just no security, walk in the back door, and really just find the door that says Carlos Santana on it. We knock on it. We go in. He's and uh, you know who are well, you know uh, what I forget the guy's name now. It's funny. It told us to, oh, yeah, yeah, where I was expecting you. Do, do you want to play a song with me? So Santana and I, we play, I was seven at this point. Oh. But remember, but it, but it wasn't, it wasn't like merit-based. You know what I mean? That's the beauty of it. It wasn't like, let's see how good you are. It's just, you're a kid. You can't, how harm, harmful could you be? Um, so we played, and it was, it, Carlos was very sweet. He said, oh, that's great. You should sit in with us tonight. And uh, it's like 20,000 people. My parents, I talked, we said no. So that night we said no. Because it's a, it's a lot to throw on a kid, you know. I really was just going to meet the guy and go home, you know. Um, and so my parents being, uh, you know, the hippest folks, they just said, uh, thank you, but no thank you. And so they said, I get it. That would be a lot, you know. Yeah. Come back in a year. We'll be here. So it, without ever talking to him in the meantime, we just looked at the schedule, and sure enough, he played the same place a year later. Drove up to the back door, and I had my guitar, and he said, "Are you, you want to do it this time?" I said, "Sure." And so we, he said, "It's we'll do the song, and it's one chord, if I'm not mistaken." And so it's not, you know, rocket scientist, you know, size stuff. Is I was, he was like, "You'll be fine," and uh, he said, "You'll play here, then you'll stop." And that's all that happened. That's all that happened. I walked off the stage, and then like a deck, 15 years later, there was a video of it, but. It, it was. I love that era. You were such a secret, you know. You could do these kind of fabulous things, and no one saw it. Um, Is that video online now? Of, uh, it's, on, it's on YouTube. Yeah, I, I sound good. I heard it. <laughs> I sound bad. I sound. I was because I couldn't do anything but like one thing, and I thought, oh, I, I've gotten worse. <laughs> Wasn't that sweet? He's such a gentleman. Wow. No, he's a special cat. He's exactly what you think. Anybody else? Um, there's some folks here in the front row, and then we can just pass it back to you next, okay? Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Oh, can you say your name, too? Uh, my name's Jacob. I uh, study music in college right now. Cool. Um, and I'm a humongous fan of yours. I cool. um, just wanted to ask, when you are, you talk about the flow state in improvising, but how do you try to achieve that when composing, when you oftentimes have to oh, take pauses and come back? Like, how do you find that spark in something you're working on and you are forced by everyday life to pause? Oh, my God. How do you, do you write music? I do. How I do, do you do it? She's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, studying that. Buddhism. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, I mean, this is a humongous struggle. I mean, yeah, what happens? So you, you get distracted and then you're like, oh, I can't really enter back into exactly. that place. Exactly. The second you kind of have that question, like, how are people going to receive this? Is oh, um, yeah. the first road or the first yeah. negative thought that enters, and it just right. it goes downhill from there. So yeah. I'm wondering how do you stay above Recover. that fray? Yeah, kind of. Oh, my God. Well, don't get me started, because I, I, I think about this constantly. Margaret and I talk about this constantly, and she's... And I know we our time is time is of the essence. So okay, but I'll be I'll try to be focused. Um, a couple things. What, you know the nature of the music that I write. You know it's instrumental music, and so it's ab it's abstract. You could say that about really anything, even lyrical music, of course. But it's it's pointedly without a um, topic. You know what I mean? Unless you're writing something for a topic, like a dedication piece or whatever it may be. So. It's all instrumental? It's all instrumental music. That's have you and Margaret ever written together? Yeah. yeah that so. was great. That was a good combination. That was So that was a song with lyrics? 
we had a whole we have a whole book of music. It was a band we had for we still have it called Rude Ruth. Rude Ruth is and it, it's just the two of us. And then but it was before we dated. So it was many years ago. And then we became a couple. And it, it seemed less important to have the band. It was just an excuse to be together. <laughs> but the music would you was come good. home with me tonight? You guys don't need to come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But but it, but it, but it's a it's a good connection because Margaret writes lyrical music where it is um, so much about uh, getting to the heart of what you're trying to say. You know what's the sentiment? How do you get the excess out of it? So it's it's very uh, strategic and very structural as as, as far as my perception like of it. Architectural. Yeah, architect. Absolutely. And, and arrange. Here's the big thing. The difference with Margaret's her thing involves arranging and composing at the same time. You know the song's not a song unless there's an arrangement. So my field feels way more meandering a couple things i would say is uh mick goodrick the guitar teacher and wrote berkeley berkeley yeah he was he was total guitar guru guy and i used to study with him and he uh he once told he was teaching there when i went there in 1970 that's unbelievable he taught everybody he was that's amazing that's amazing is he still there no he just retired oh good he just retired hope he's well exactly me too may he live in peace yeah i miss him uh, he, I asked him a similar question and he said, oh yeah, uh, he always, he just had the answer. It wasn't like nuance. He, How do you do this? Oh yeah, I'll tell you. And it's what he said is what you do is you buy a baseball hat. And I said, okay. And he said, well, what you do is every time you go to write, you put the hat on. And when you're done writing, you take the hat off. That's the whole thing. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and what was so interesting, you know, to fast forward through a couple of steps, is that his point was if you're coming from a performance background, the concept of having a discipline that uh, you, you need a spotlight, you kind of do need to be on. You do need the audience there. You do need an 8 o'clock showtime to do something if you're, if you're kind of wired that way. And that helped me a lot. I, didn't, I don't think I ever bought, really got a hat, but I just kind of – I would set the time or I would get the pencil that I wanted and I would do it. And, uh, and when I stopped, I really stopped. I didn't let it linger. That was one thing. The other thing is when we talk about what people think, you know, I think that's one of the slip, one real slippery slope because it, it's such a projection. Like I don't really know what anyone in this room thinks of anything. I can, I can get uh, cues, you know, that tell me, oh, that people usually do that when they're mad or they do that with their face when they're happy. Uh, but I don't know. So one of the big things for me has been discrediting <laughs> in some way that voice of people. When I say, would people like this, do I like it? Do I like it? And then the next step is, um, I don't like it. And then the next step is, cool, I actually am the one person who can do something about it. <laughs> but it took me a while to see that that last step was there, you know? I just kind of was in that mopey thing of like, I don't like it and I'm being distracted. So I, I always feel with writing that it's important to remember you have the best seat in the house. You're the, you've got the nuclear codes, you know. If you can, you can don't say that. I know, but it's you have that power. You have that power to kill it. John Zorn always had a great thing. You said if it doesn't sound good, stop writing it. And I thought, well, you're allowed. You don't have to like be there's, a martyr. There's a chapter in the book called "Stop Polishing a Turd." <laughs> there you go. And that's it. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like. If you're that easily distracted, maybe the, it's, you're, it's, the music's fine. But you know when you've been working on a project that's really, 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 really special, nothing can pull you away. Or if it does, you come right back. The last thing, sorry, because I think it's important, is something Gerhard Richter, great, great artist in the world, I've heard him in or read things where he talks about the job of art being to kind of get rid of, find all the things the, the, the art isn't. So I write a lot of bad versions of songs. I write, or, and I mean that not facetiously. Like, it, I'll, I'll say, what's the worst case scenario for the song? It becomes a rhythm changes, like fluff piece. Okay, let me write that just so it's out. What's another bad? It would be bad if it was like a faux fiddle tune, but really needed a deeper sentiment. So I write a lot of scratch, you know, and then I just don't use those. And then I, I pick the one that's my favorite. And I don't know what anyone thinks of it, really. Lisp. <laughs> yeah, you can't know what somebody else thinks unless you Even have a gift. Even if they say things to you, I don't know. Well, they say stuff. They, they'll say things. You can yeah. know what they say. Yeah. yeah. So okay. well, let's take one more and yeah, then, I, because I, I don't want to. He had his arm, I know, earlier on. The, the guy oh, right behind you. Oh, him? Okay. Yeah. Oh, who, who are you the, looking oh, at? Over on this side, I saw you. He's tucked away. Okay. We'll Maybe do we'll, two more. Too but short. Can be we short. be succinct? And, sure, and then, yeah. because I don't want to uh, deprive no. you of hearing okay. Julian Plant. Um, my name's Michael. I'm another Bay Area transplant. Hey. Um, 
And uh, I wanted, actually, you mentioned John Zorn. I wanted to, to ask you briefly about that. Because, sure. you know, you've done a lot of work with him. In fact, new album came out today with you and Gian Riley and Bill Frizzell. That's out. Just wow. came out. Um, so, obviously, he's coming from a very deep Jewish tradition. Sure. And I'm just wondering how that spirituality, do you feel it when you're playing the music? Oh, my and, God. And how yes. has that affected your playing? Well, it's a great question. Yeah, I, I, two things, and I'll keep keep it brief. John has a certain kind of charisma and uh, uh, authority that is so commanding and so um, inspiring, you know, like any great band leader. The fact that there's a connection to Jewish tradition, for me, always felt uh, unspoken, but kind of a nice subtext. You know, I didn't grow up with traditional music, but I have to say playing, especially the Jewish inclined music, because he does not all of it's Jewish, you know, in nature. Um, something just feels really, uh, just makes sense. I don't know. There's certain attributes of him that remind me of my mother's side of the family. So it's personal, you know. Um, I've been inspired to go that route too, but I just don't, I, I wasn't really raised Jewish in a, in a, in a strict way. So I'm kind of a tourist, you know, uh, but it informs it. John started doing Jewish stuff to kind of appeal to the Jewish musicians he wanted to play with. Like, you know, so he, you feel it, you know, you know, you know, he, he makes it known and, and it is beautiful. And, and it has to do with the scales he uses, the feels he uses, but also a lot of the Jewish stuff is connected to like, like Motown stuff and funk stuff. It's really American music to me. And that's a whole nother topic. Let's take let's let's the here. last question, yeah. and then, then we're going to shift. And here's the reason I haven't interspersed music, because once we get into the music, it's over. Yeah. You all know that. There's no talking. <laughs> it's, this is foreplay, and then that's yeah. the real thing. <laughs> so, okay, last question. Thank um, you. Hi, how are you doing? Um, What's your my, name, please? My name is Omesh, and I'm here with my buddy Justin and his buddy Grant. And um, Justin and I are in a group called White Merlot. And called what? White Merlot. White Merlot. White Merlot. Yeah, cool. a lot of backstory. But um, to be succinct, I just wanted to um, thank you so much for your service and creativity and uh, the community, and right. we're big fans. And Thanks. I wanted to note, uh, this question could be twofold in a way, yeah, possibly yeah. if that would be okay. The direction I've been going in my journey through performance mm. and then looking at audiovisual and recording started leading me to teaching mm. many years ago. Cool. And in a, as an educator and as a private music instructor and having worked in the school system and private businesses, yeah. I'm looking at my passion for how young children are going about yeah. music and yeah. theory and art. Right. And I was wondering if you've had any experiences teaching or doing lessons or what it's been like for you and what age ranges and how it's been. Because yeah. the music world is in a lot of different forms when mm -hmm. it comes to teenagers and certain age right, ranges. Right. And I am um, wondering what take you might have or advice on what I'm doing. Because I'm also looking at mindfulness and awareness yeah, being yeah. put into it. But I can't just go off on all of that all the time because they don't get into it. They of don't course, dig it. Of course. And unless course. I'm like talking about Baby Yoda or something. Are you coming this weekend? <laughs> What's that? Are you coming this weekend? I should be. I'm going to try. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it might be good. I quit. Uh, yeah, you're in the right place. David's the man for that. I, I, I hear you. Uh, uh, I think I hear you. I, I, most of my t I started teaching very young, just by circumstance. I was a teenager teaching people older than me. I've taught kids, um, young children, and it. And I, I'm not that good at it. It's just I'm not. I kind of feel like we're both looking at each other, going like, I don't know, you know. It's, <laughs> I'm like, you'll figure it out, and he's like, yeah, I know. And so it's kind of like that. So you know, my demographic is different. It's more. It's um, more advanced players who are kind of pining for something other than what they could get in a book, you know? Uh, having said that, I, I think part of the, there was a phase where I taught a lot and I felt really responsible for the well-being of the student in a way that uh, I, I don't anymore. I kind of feel like some of the, sometimes the best thing you can, a student can experience is um, resistance and say, you know what, if this isn't quite it for me, you know? So I'm very conscientious not to be a student's best friend or be their buddy. It's, you know, it's a, it's not an equal power situation. It's not there. I'm the teacher. They're the student. I need them to show up at a high level and, and I'll, and I will too. So listeners, a short postscript from me, 
The interview presented here is also available on my Facebook page and includes the referenced music performances towards the end. Please feel free to check it out at facebook.com slash David Nickturn. The exact link should be in the text that accompanies this podcast. Enjoy. See you next time. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you like to get off your chest right now? Are you feeling lonely, unappreciated, or misunderstood? When you keep these feelings bottled up, they can affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and work through whatever is weighing you down. It's a great way to increase your self-awareness, change negative thought patterns, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.